to Business Scale Insights with Kimberly Marie Bonner. Listen for commentary, interviews, and information on how to grow your business. For all the details, contact BusinessScaleInsightsNetwork.com. So, Empire Builders, are you ready? Here's Kimberly Marie Bonner. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Business Scale Insights. I'm your host, Kimberly Bonner, and today it is my honor to have the CEO of the People Institute, Carla Harris, with me to talk about Black Lives Matter at work. So thank you so much, Carla, for joining us today. Hey, Kim, how are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm good. Uh, Would be better when this COVID-19 and all this craziness in the world goes away, but uh, we're plugging through. Yes, Um, yes, absolutely. I know you very well, but the listening audience does not. So please share a little bit more about yourself, your background, and more about the work of the People Institute. Absolutely. So the People Institute is a uh, training and development organization. And our goal really is to work with teams um, in the area of communication, leadership development, And just overall, really helping people work better together. Uh, We've been in business since uh, 1997. And uh, our goal, even in this COVID time, is to to offer instructor-led training. So now, of course, we're doing it uh, via the virtual platform. But uh, human-to-human interaction really is our uh, sweet spot. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, one of the many reasons um, why I uh, invited you to talk with the listening audience today is we work with, I work with businesses, large, small, and everything in between. And uh, we've got a lot of unrest in the United States right now mm-hmm. uh, between COVID-19 and also we have ethnic issues, um, specifically the Black Lives Matter kind of protests and just related to police brutality and a whole lot of other things. And I thought it would be remiss if this podcast did not provide help, tangible help for people, whether it's trying to triage COVID-19 or now, right now, when it comes to, I think, almost the the humanity kind of Mm. crisis that we're facing in America today. And so when I reached out to you, I did it because I know your work in the people in, with the People Institute. I know your work in kind of HR circles, humanizing business. And I, I think it's so important for more of us to have these very, might be very difficult, sensitive conversations um, about, yes, diversity and inclusion, but also this issue of Black Lives Matter, because I, I, I want to just kind of pause before we kind of go and delve deep into this interview. But one thing I want the listening audience to understand, I'm, I'm not talking about Black Lives Matter as a political movement, and we are not talking about Black Lives Matter as an organization, mm-hmm. because I don't know the people involved. I don't think you know the people involved, Carl. Yeah. We are not co-signing that at all. But we are talking about Black Lives Matter as a statement of fact. Black Lives Matter as a statement of truth. Mm -hmm. And how to make that, how to live that truth 
consistently all day, every day, whether it's in the work space, in the boardroom, in our communities. So that's, I wanted to kind of make sure we got that all clear and that disclaimer, because I know there's a lot of confusion about those words and it's a lightning rod. But if I hope none of my listeners are confused that Black Lives Matter, period. Right. right. With that said, a lot of people, because of what's going on with, um, you know, ethnic racial unrest, um, a lot of people have been talking about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And I know you have a long, rich history in that space. And so can you share for people, the listening audience who might be new to this, what exactly do those words diversity and inclusion really mean? So absolutely. I, I, I wanted to go a little literal um, when I, as I was preparing for our conversation. And just by definition, diversity is, according to um, Webster's Dictionary, the condition of having or being composed of differing elements. And inclusion is the act of being included within a group or a structure. So when you think about that, as, as you, if you transfer that to the workplace, you're thinking about the uh, having diverse perspectives, having diverse beliefs, uh, thoughts, ideas, included within the structure of the corporate environment. So, for, and that would be from the bottom, the front line, the trench workers, as I call them, all the way up to and including executive leadership and even board leadership. So when we think about that from a workplace, it really is embracing all aspects and values and perspectives of what people bring to the table. I love it. Um, embracing all aspects and values of what people bring to the table. I love it. So, you know, at first I was going to ask you about the Black Lives Matter movement. And because there's been so much controversy related to that movement, mm-hmm. I don't I don't even want to talk about that because people, people conflate the movement, get really bogged down in what's going on in the movement versus the statement. Right. And I, and I just want to just really narrow our conversation to the statement, because sometimes, um, you know, in HR circles, you, 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 things get a little confusing. Mm-hmm. So is, is the Black Lives Matter kind of concept, you know, is that uh, a legitimate part of diversity and inclusion discussions at work? I think it should be. Um, and I agree with you and not wanting to even have the, the hint of a perception about being politically correct or incorrect. I think this is from a humane perspective, right? This is, you know, it's funny how you started out with, you know, humanizing the approach because for the People Institute, that's our tagline, humanizing business and developing relationships. And you cannot have one without the other. You have to understand how to value people in order yes. to have a relationship with someone. 
And I think, uh, I believe that yes, Black Lives Matter as three words is critical because if we're going, if a company is going to appeal to the community at large, whether it's through selling services or products, they have to understand the diversity of the community and the end user that they're selling to. We cannot, and we've seen it, oh my goodness, time and time again, when there is no black voice at the table, the vast cultural mistakes that are made through marketing, that are made through um, uh, product development, the mistakes that are made when people don't really listen to the voices and they go by their own influences about what they think about the black race. So again, a couple of statistics when you look at the bottom line, our spending power in the African-American community jumped from 961 billion in 2010 to 1.3 trillion in 2018. In eight years, think about that, a 114% increase since since 2000. That's a lot of money. And if companies aren't willing to invest in their team and invest in a broader culture, that is a huge margin that they are missing, or a huge market that they're missing out on. So absolutely it matters in the workplace. Not just, you know, if, you, if, if companies say, okay, I don't want to deal with the people aspect of it. I just want to deal with the money. How much is this going to get me in return? Those numbers speak for themselves. They do. They do. Um, but you've seen a lot of, of businesses in, in an attempt to try to address the, the ethnic divides in America, uh, come up with these nice social media slogans <laughs> and hashtags and commercials. Um, and uh, Black Lives Matter has become uh, a, a wonderful hashtag and slogan that a lot of businesses are getting behind because of kind of the truth of the statement, not necessarily the movement, but the truth of the statement. Mm -hmm. The problem though lies in uh, if indeed these companies truly believe black lives matter, how is that evidenced in the workplace, in business? How, how is that realized in the workplace? Is, is it more than just a PR slogan, a marketing campaign? How can we, how do we get a, a concrete strategy for making that statement of fact, Black Lives Matter, a reality in the workplace? So the short answer is yes. It's definitely more than a PR stunt. It's definitely more than checking a box. Um, it's, you know, when I have, when I've had these conversations with companies around what do I do? That's what they ask us. What do I do? How do, how do I do this? So my first question is, uh, are you serious about um, really changing 
the narrative within your organization? That's the first question. It, or is it just a PR stunt? Because we have to get beyond that. And then are, are there mentor programs? Are there sponsorship programs within organizations? And these are some of the things that companies can put in place. What are the strategies for developing the skill set, both the essential skill set, which are you know, most commonly called soft skills? What are the um, cert any kind of certifiable skill sets that need to be enhanced or developed within um, their team members? Are we having discussions, are companies having discussions around cultural languages? Are we encouraging team members to have respectful and ethical dialogue around fully understanding what a, a person brings to the table? So there are some hard line strategies that, that companies can take. And it's not just an HR issue. Culture begins at the top. Very true. And culture is very different from policies and procedures. And when we're talking, when we're, when we're thinking about companies who really want to invest in moving out of the space of exclusion, then it, it starts with the culture at the top. It starts with advancement opportunities. It starts with exposure to um, high ticket clients. And we know that there are the majority client, I mean, majority uh, leaders who handpick their salespeople, for example, and say, okay, this is the project I want you to work on. And they typically go to people who look like them. And what we have to do is begin looking at people for what they bring to the table versus how they look or what their names are. And okay. that's really where we have to get involved with some specifics. What are the specific changes people want to make? Okay. I love that you talked about specific uh, changes that people want to make. It starts at the top, um, access to clients, high profile roles, um, opportunity, mentoring, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, so that makes me think, okay, that requires a truly a commitment from the CEO, the C-suite, mm -hmm. and the managers. And it also requires measurement because whatever you don't measure, you can't improve. Mm -hmm. um, and so then we get into, is this some kind, are we going to say uh, black employees are treated in a special manner? Or are we saying that black, we are highlighting the need to make sure that we are not overlooking black employees? How, how, how would you address that? Because it's it's it kind of goes back to almost like the same dynamic of all lives matter versus black lives matter. Right, right. Well, all lives can't matter if black lives don't matter. Correct. You know, all mm -hmm. employees can't matter if black employees are the last ones hired, the first ones fired, given really subpar resources, assistance and treated like the help. Mm -hmm. So so 
this is this is kind of the conundrum that we're in. So what what are the specific things that you think can help management navigate that tricky area? I my first thought is to separate diversity. So that sounds a little uh, counterintuitive, but when you think when when you fill out the form and you check the box that says your staff is diverse, so much goes into that. So you have the all lives that matter that go into that box of diversity. So internally, companies can separate that. Companies can really begin making sure that they have a balanced workforce. So within that strategy, yes, we we don't want to hire someone simply because of their race. We just have to make sure that we're not excluding them and the experience they bring to the table because of their race. Right. So if we're if we separate the the box of diversity and say, okay, well, we have group A, B, C, and D, whatever makes up diversity within their organization, then we have to look at. So if Blacks are the B, if African-American is that B in the, the, the box of diversity, and it's out of 50%, it's only 2% or 10%, then we need to look, then companies need to really make a concerted effort to increase that percentage so that it's better balanced across the board. And they can do that by partnering with educational institutions, partnering with uh, African-American professional associations to have their recruitment efforts be uh, more diverse as well as their um, abilities, I mean, as, as well as their wanting to diversify the internal levels of diversity. And, and I know I, that's a lot that I'm saying, and I'm hoping I'm making myself clear. You know, I mean, if we have to separate the majority from those that fall in the diverse uh, bucket, we have to now focus on separating the to, separating that diverse bucket to make sure that all that black folks are represented well within that level of diversity. Does that make sense? Uh, making sure that black people are represented well within diversity. That's the, the measurement. I think I'm, I think I'm understanding, but I'm a little foggy. Do you have any more examples? So, examples? so let's, let's say that, um, Company A has to identify, they are in the process of identifying their, um, their staff, their staffing ratios. And it's 50-50. So 50% of their staff are white Americans or, or white Caucasians. The other 50% of their staff are all grouped together as their diverse population. Within mm -hmm. that diverse population, you have all the legal definitions of what diversity means, race, mm -hmm. gender, um, sexu uh, sexual orientation, religious, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. So within those that diverse population, if you have 
50 people in that diverse population. And of the 50 people, only 10% or 5% of those 50 people are um, African-American, then it's, there needs to be a concerted effort to increase the number of African-Americans within that organization. Because what happens is the company's leadership can say, we're very diverse, and they would be on paper, they would be diverse, but are they diverse within, does that diversity include African-American employees at every single level? Mm, Okay. I think the part that that is really telling is at every single level. Correct. At every single level. And that, and that, and that, and, 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 and that I think is the problem for most companies. They'll be able to, to show you, yes, we have so many wonderful, qualified Black employees that are members of the rank and file staff, um, but those employees don't necessarily have the opportunities, to your point, um, or, and or the networks for, for whatever reason, because we know informal networks and mentorships and patronages mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, not because they're not talented and not because they're not gifted and not because they can't do the job, but for whatever reason, that kind of employment number kind of stays there and you don't see it at all levels. So I get it. And one thing too, Kim, I want to just, I, I want your listeners and to consider is that you can, a company can have a high level of diversity and have no African American employees. Absolutely, I can, so I've seen it. That I've, has I've that's seen it, and that's what I'm talking about. So a company can can tout being diverse and not have one African American employee. Think about that. No, I've 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 lived it. <laughs> <laughs> I've 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 definitely lived that. So um, I I get it. So we have to be intentional if yes. we're going to say that we're going to have a diverse workplace, particularly in a time where we see uh, Black people dealing with a lot of structural racism. If you are serious that Black Lives Matter is a statement of fact, right, and you believe that at the highest echelons, then you need to be intentional and not just say we have a diverse workplace, but we have Black employees these and these black employees have a seat at the table. Correct. Period. Okay. Right. So what are the keys for black and non-black employees to make this work? What a, let's talk about black employees and let's talk about non-black employees who are allies. What what how can this how can they work together to make this a reality? So first of all, I want to be really clear that it is not the black employees' responsibility. <laughs> to explain all <laughs> things black in a corporate setting. Let's just I know put that that's the truth. Okay. Amen, sister. Amen. It sister. is not our responsibility to do that. However, I do think that we have to stand up and speak for what is right yes. within the organization. And we can't cower to what we think uh, the negative outcome may be. 
So I, I do believe the onus is on us to stand up for what we believe is right um, and not coward uh, to the pressure. Now, for non-Blacks, there's a difference between uh, saying you're not racist and being anti-racist. Right. So if you're going to really be supportive, you cannot sit in the boys club or the girls mm -hmm. club. Yes. Jokes. You yes. have to stand up against those things. You have to ask questions. You have to. And when I say ask questions, you have to ask questions of us as in black folks to really get an understanding about what it is that we need you to do in a specific situation. Interestingly, I had a friend of mine call me, white woman call me and say, what do I say? Do I, is it, do I use the term African-American or black American? And I appreciated her coming to me and asking me and that she felt comfortable enough to do that. You know, there, there also has to be a recognition of your own unconscious bias and yes. what those, what, what has influenced yes. you in your life and your history to yes. make you feel the way you feel. Yes. I love that. Let's, let's stop there because I want to unpack that. We, I was, I participated on one of your kind of virtual networking events and we had a really interesting guest who was the leadership coach gentleman. I forget his name. And I talked to him about unconscious bias mm -hmm. and I asked that question, particularly in light of what's going on in the world. And he said, you know, Kim, a self, a critical self-assessment is what we all need to do. And I think for non-Black employees, non-Black members of the C-suite, it is incumbent upon you to do a self-assessment because Carla and I can't do that. Right. We didn't grow up the way you grew up. We weren't, we didn't go to the same schools necessarily. We didn't go to the same religious institutions. We didn't mm -hmm. read the same books. We are not part of, you know, the same cultural bubble. And so if we're going to move forward with workplace equity and making Black Lives Matter at work a reality, it will have to begin with a critical self-assessment of, everyone and particularly non-black employees and leaders that's because, right because we can't none of this to your point your original point black people can't make this happen. your black employees can't make this happen mm -hmm. and if a change doesn't happen in the heart and in the mind then all of our conversations are kind of meaningless yeah yeah you know um it they're nice to have but we can't change anybody's heart and mind that comes from a critical self-assessment and saying, you know what, maybe I do have unconscious biases and you don't have to confess that to the world, but at least owning up to that yourself. Mm -hmm. I think if everyone did that, do you know what a big leap forward that would be for America, Carla? Absolutely. And, <laughs> and honestly too, Kim, I do think that in some cases, healing begins when it's out in the open. You I so I do believe that there are instances where they have to acknowledge what their uh, biases are in in a in a open forum, however it is, 
um, because that's when that's when you can, you know, it's, it's sort of like my parents would say that, you know, the, the devil, you know, is better than the one you don't. At least, you know, from where the person is coming from. And that is how the real dialogue begins in the workplace. As long as it's done respectfully, as long as it's done ethically, um, with positive intentions, that's how you get the dialogue started. I love that. I, I love the way you've talked about it as, as it relates to healing. Because we really do need a healing in our nation. Oh, yes. And a reconciliation and work. You know, I've worked in a lot of toxic environments. I don't know about you, Carla. Oh, I know oh. you have. <laughs> Oh yes. I know you have as well. And yeah. um when you when when you when when you have issues, whether it's sexism or racism or any other ism, it creates a toxic work culture that's very harmful mm-hmm. and and deadly. It's deadly to people psychologically. It's even deadly to people physically. Yep. Where their their blood pressure goes up, they get strokes, heart attacks, all the nine yards. And so we need to, um, I like the, what you said, even publicly kind of talk about the way we have been raised and recognize Mm -hmm. that if I'm in a bubble and you're in a bubble and we have not culturally met, then those, that experience creates unconscious bias. Right. That's right. And, and, and we need to all be better about admitting that number one, everybody has unconscious bias, including black and brown and Asian and everybody else that I know. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we begin there um, and give people the liberty to be able to say, yeah, I have some issues and I, but I'm committed to doing better. I think there'll be a, a, a healing journey that all of our companies and all hopefully you know, all of our communities will be on, but it begins, you know, like with South Africa, they had a truth and reconciliation committee commission. Mm. And to a certain degree, that's kind of like what you're talking about in the workplace. Like if you don't deal with the truth about maybe how you were raised or how you were developed in your work culture and the flaws of that, it's very hard to heal it, heal anything. Yeah, because you're not you're kind of dealing. Everybody's in the dark and everybody's pretending that we're something, somebody that we're not. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. That's just not true. So anyway, we we've, we've had a long, nice conversation. And I'm sure after all of these gems that you've dropped, there are going to be a ton of people who are going to be like Carla Harris, <laughs> is the woman that we need to help us through because we got some issues and we that's need right. healing. So what are the types of services that the People Institute provides that can help address this type of problem? So thank you for asking. Um, And it's really a great segue into our program called Being Black at Work. And it starts with the talk. It starts with a facilitated conversation that we do town hall style to really create a safe space for team members to talk openly through a series of guided questions about this very issue, race relations in the workplace, Um, and then creating some action steps that leadership is able to uh, begin putting in place to really 
have a dynamic change. So our program being Black at Work, it starts with the talk. And that's what we do. It's a frank, uh, respectful conversation with guided questions. Uh, my team and I facilitate this. And we lay the groundwork in the beginning. And that is, this is the place for you to be your best self and ask the questions you want to ask. And obviously in COVID, we do it virtually. And right. while, we do, while we do have, um, we, we always prefer that people be on camera. We know that this is a sensitive topic. So there are times where uh, people, I mean, we, we will allow them to be off camera and just send in their questions if they're not ready to yet vocalize whatever it is that their, their questions are. So that, along with all of the training and development that we do around leadership and staff development, it really just works. Um, it all works well together because it's all about humanizing business and creating yes. long-term relationships. Yes, I love it. I love it. Well, now that you've sold everybody on your services that is listening to this uh, podcast, either they're going to know somebody that needs your services or they know, or they themselves, their company, their business, mm -hmm. or their organization, their nonprofit or government organization needs your services. So how can people reach you directly if they like to work with you today? So our phone number is 754-218-5200. Uh, and our website is, is your image working? Which I know is a little confusing for some folks since we're the People Institute. But I always ask clients to ask your question or answer the question, is your image working? And what does that mean to you? Because the image that we present to the world is the image that the company represents, whether you like it or not. Oh, I love that. I love that. Particularly if you're telling everybody Black Lives Matter and you don't have anybody. That's right. <laughs> and, 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 and leadership in your in your organization. So is that the image that you want to reflect? Is that, that's right. That's I right. love that. I love that. Well, as always, I knew this would be a phenomenal uh, podcast. I thank you for your time. I thank you for your friendship. I appreciate you. And um, I hope everyone, I'm serious, particularly now, listen to this podcast over and over and over again, particularly if you know that you are in a toxic work environment, if you are in leadership, if you are an employee, pass it around. We've got to have these crucial conversations. And the beautiful thing about a podcast People can listen to it while they're in their car. Mm -hmm. They can listen to it while they're in the shower. Nobody has to know, but let's try to plant a seed so we can get, so we can really start the healing process. So thank you again, Miss Carla Harris. And to everyone, here's to you success. Have a great thank day. Thank you for having me, Kim. You're welcome. Take care. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. If you already have a proven business model, but have concerns about the best way to grow and scale, then you should contact the experts at New Day Consulting Systems. New Day uses innovative techniques to 10 times the impact of your business. Your local business can become a regional, national, or international enterprise. New Day Consulting Systems will show you how. For more information and to get started with New Day, visit the website at newdayconsultingsystems.com.
One word, NewDayConsultingSystems.com. To get your business off the ground and into orbit, contact New Day today. Business Scale Insights with Kimberly Marie Bonner. To get her personal attention to you and your empire, go to BusinessScaleInsightsNetwork.com. That's BusinessScaleInsightsNetwork.com. And tune in again next week for more from Kimberly Marie Bonner with Business Scale Insights.